Welcome to the seventh episode of PezPod, the insider's guide to the Pez network. Back in 2010, the Lithuanian Pez were 46 separate organisations and they merged to become 11 separate organisations. In 2018, they took a bolder step when those 11 organisations all unified to become just one body. The person who's going to tell us how they achieved this is Inga Balnano-Siena, head of the Lithuanian Pez. For those who didn't know, Lithuania is a small country with a population of just under 3 million. Inga's been with the Lithuanian Pez since 2004. She was promoted to becoming its head in 2020. Hello, Inga. Uh, hello, David. So the first question I just wanted to ask was about how you managed to implement the change. Obviously, with all the offices merging, there's huge advantages to having one central IT system, a shared legal service and a single HR unit. And, you know, the PowerPoint presentations are the easy bit. But as we all know, this sort of radical change that you must have done, it can create ill feeling amongst PES staff, particularly staff who've been with you a long time, I'd think. How did the managers at Lithuanian PES, I think there's get the roughly 2,000 staff, I think it is, or the majority of them to buy into the changes? Yes, actually our 46 regional institutions or regional organizations, regional bodies, starting from 2010, um, 10 regional bodies, they were autonomous and separate uh, regional organizations. And we noticed that uh, Lithuania is too small country to have such big number of separate regional bodies. And we can be more efficient and more active as one big organization with the United HR division, with the United IT division, and um, with the United ways of providing our services for job seekers and for business companies all over the country and how we started to implement the changes. So the most important thing, I think it was communication. We have two separate teams for communication. The one team was responsible for the external communication. So using the media, using our messages on internet, we started to communicate how the organization is changing and what kind of results we are expecting at the end of the process. We invited also our clients, job seekers, our business companies to communicate with us and to express their feelings and their expectations, how the services could be changed and how they should be provided for our clients. Another team was responsible for the internal communication. And over 200 of staff members of different regional um, offices, different staff levels were invited to participate active in this communication company and to, to explain to the rest of our staff how we are changing, what we are expect to have, and what kind of organization we could be in the future when we will act as one. 
And for this theme of internal communication, I think biggest and the most important challenge was to express the feeling that everybody is invited to be a part of the change and everybody should be a part of the change process because only then um, when you are open to the staff when you are open for your team you can achieve the good result as a team but how did you overcome the people who felt negative for example, the people whose jobs were changed, the people who've been there a long time? Talking, discussions, and getting feedback. It was, I think, our key factor for the success because it is very important not only to explain what we expect from our staff, from our people, but also to give the opportunity to participate in the changes and to be a part of this change, to believe in it. So only if you are open with your team, if you are open and communicating with the people, you can get productive feedback and you can invite them to be a part of the changes in the organization and to believe in this kind of changes, especially if they expect to change their positions. For instance, they were the managers of some kind of divisions and now they should talk with the clients, they should give services for the clients. So was there anything in your background, I think you worked in education, didn't you? And you worked in the European Social Fund that made you realize you could create this change that taught you about how to listen. Yes, my previous experience and maybe the experience in the implementing of projects when you have a very limited duration of the implementation of activities, when you have many challenges in the implementing of activities when something is going not as it was expected, also presenting of the results, it helped me to communicate and to be a part of the changes also in the public employment service of Lithuania. And one more thing, I started my career at the public employment service also as a project manager. I tried myself in different job positions, so I really knew the processes, not only as top manager, but also as a counselor, as staff for business companies. So I really was a part of the organization. Exactly. You work from the bottom up. You understood all the bottom jobs. Yes. And I understood what kind of feelings have my staff members at the different positions and what could be the challenge for them to change and why they could be unhappy with the, with the changes. So I knew how difficult it is to communicate with the clients, how complicated some kind of situation could be, and how complicated sometimes is to explain for the client the vision of the future career, the vision of the future work, especially when it's not what, uh, what, what the client sees and what the client wants. Yes. 
so you've had the first end experience and I'm sure that really, really helped. Um, and I think we've talked about the people who are most reluctant to change, haven't we? How many people left? Or was it about what percentage of the people whose job changed left the organization altogether? About 5% of really professional people left the organization when the changes were implemented or in the process of the changes. And it is really a loss for our organization because these staff members, they were really professionals at their positions. But of course, not everybody can deal with the clients and can talk to them. So it is, I think, a normal situation and not so big number of staff members who left. No. And obviously, running a PES, everybody tells you how to do it, don't they? Like if you run a football team. Did you have to persuade ministers and politicians that you could change things? <laughs> a really good question. Um, in Lithuania, we should speak not about football, but about the basketball, because we have a really long traditions for basketball games. And in Lithuania, everybody knows how to coach the national basketball team of Lithuania. And the same is public employment service. It seems that every politician, every manager of the business company knows better what kind of services should be and how the process should be organized. So when you became more efficient and quicker, um, does this mean you could face challenges more easily? For example, what's the situation now with the Lithuanian employment market? The situation is complicated as it is in many countries now. The number of unemployment has increased, but we have learned that we can be flexible. We can be a part of ongoing changes. We are the only organization which pays subsidies for our companies in this difficult period of time. So to update our IT system, to have new obligations and new functions, to explain for our staff that we now have a little bit different tasks, there are the same strategies and the same lessons we have we had before. So it really helped to become a flexible and a modern organization. So, for example, how much money are you paying out a year during COVID? How many much more was that than before? We used to pay out about 100 million euros for our active policy measures or other activities. And during COVID, we paid about 900 million euros. So it is nine times more than usual. Did anybody notice this? Did the government say well done or thank you? Or Oh, yes. It was the first time that our government said thank you for public employment services. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thanks so much, Inga, because it's really fascinating the way you brought all the staff on board. I'm sure a lot of it's your personality, but I think there's a lot of it that we can all learn, all the peasants can learn. I really hope you can all join us for the next podcast as we'll, we'll be with someone you may well have heard of, actually. He's called Nicholas Schmidt and he's the European Commissioner for Jobs and Social Rights. 
We're hoping PESPOD will build a sense of community in PES across Europe. If you have any comments on PESPOD, there's an email address, which I'm now going to spell for you, and you can leave comments on this email. It's empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu. I'll say that again. empl-pes-secretariat at ec.europa.eu. But don't worry, the email address is also on the PESPOD show notes. What would you like to ask the European Commissioner? Email us and tell us. PESPOD is produced for the PES Network by the European Commission with technical support from Econ Institute. The technical producer is Mark Bota. Looking forward to next time. <laughs>